Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Sometimes you're you're really soaking in your kids' struggle. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Do you realize that we're middle-aged adults with small children? <laughs> yes. That should make you feel bad. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Parents who were child-centered in their parenting enjoyed parenting more. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. It's an elusive goal. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week we're talking about how to be a happier parent. We are having an exciting guest later on, KJ Delantonia, who you may know from the Motherload blog of the New York Times, but she has a new book out called How to Be a Happier Parent. And you see that title and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get that book. Yes, that exactly. Seems, that seems useful to me. She's a great guest for us to have on because I feel like we've quoted her in about 50% of our previous episodes, something yeah, this, that she wrote This podcast should possibly be called What Fresh Hell with Amy Wilson, Margaret Abels, Margaret's sister-in-law, Christy, and KJ Delantonio because we <laughs> quote them so often that they, they have supporting roles already. And my mom. And Nancy Wilson, of course. And Nancy Wilson. It's funny that I would mention her because you're only as happy as your unhappiest child is something that my mother has explained to me in my own parenting journey very many times. Like that's, she, she has said that to me many times. Uh, Not when she was parenting me, but now that I'm a parent, she says it to me and she's right. My father also really enjoys this phrase and uses it quite often. It Um, feels kind of like an albatross to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this study because I thought this was, um, it's not going to make it feel less albatrossy, but it is fascinating. So there and was starting a- with studies is your superpower. <laughs> oh, so go can ahead. I, can I please, can I please do it? Of okay. course. So Dr. Karen Fingerman of the University of Texas, she found that yes, parents' psychological well-being and happiness is linked to their least happy child's well-being, no matter how happy or well-adjusted their other kids are. So she interviewed 600 middle-aged adults about their grown children. Do you realize that we're middle-aged adults with small children? (laughs) That that should make you feel bad, just for the record. Middle-aged adults with grown children, when interviewed, they found that even if they had other successful offspring, there was only one child with serious life problems, which could be, you know, money or marital issues or whatever, to affect the parents' actual health, their emotional and physical well-being was affected by their adult 
children. So that's when your your kids are, are grown. So of course it applies when your kids are school-aged as ours are. And even more so when they're grown though, because another annoying uh, thing that people say all the time is small people, small problems and big people, big problems. Like some of the small people problems are temporary in nature, you know, like, oh, the unhappiness of like, my kid is struggling because they didn't get cast in the role they wanted in the play or travel soccer. But big kid problems tend to be a little more profound, right? Yes. And I'm thinking in my case, I've had, I've dealt with two sick kids with um, really difficult to figure out diagnoses, not serious, although it felt very serious at the time. And, and those struggles were, um, there were little kids struggles, but they still felt very much my own. So this University of Texas, she suggests that the reason you're only as happy as your unhappiest child is because when your child isn't succeeding, it ties into your own sort of fears of failure that you haven't done well enough as a parent. And that's why your kid does, uh, went to clown college or whatever. Uh, let's not throw stones at kids who <laughs> thought about going to clown college. Okay. But you didn't let's go not do that. That's unkind. Yes, people, I thought about going to Clan College, and Amy is just goofing on me for it, but that's wrong, and we're, so we're just going to move on. Um, and your mother would therefore only have been as happy as her daughter in Clown College, and maybe well, you would have been I mean, happy. this is an actual example. My oldest brother went to Yale University, a fairly good college, from heard what I've it, told. Heard of it, heard of it. My second sister, we're three in three years, so like we're coming down the pike. My second sister went to a school named Yale University. Also, mm-hmm. I hear a pretty good school. Mm-hmm. And then along came me. I mean, I like to goof on my mom because it's not like I, I, I was in juvenile hall. I just wasn't a kid who was ever going to go to Yale. And when I thought about going to clown college... Not only was she worried for me, but it somehow for her, I believe, seemed to negate the two children who'd already were successfully enrolled at Yale. <laughs> like it actually somehow erased those accomplishments as well as bringing shame upon the family. Do you think that mothers have it worse than fathers in terms of over-identification with their children and their struggles? No. I do. We've discussed this before and we disagree. I think that fathers often, maybe they don't have the worry gene. Like I always say about my husband, like he is congenitally incapable of worrying. It just is not something he does. He gets stressed and upset about things, but he never worries. Like he just doesn't do the thing where he sits around and gets nervous about stuff. But I think for a lot of fathers the dream deferred that they project on their kids gets pretty profound. Oh, The thing of like, I wasn't the captain of the baseball team, and so I'm going to super glue this baseball bat into my two-year-old's hands until he makes up for my deficiencies. I see that a lot. I guess I mean, I I felt like in in my case, my own kids' physical and emotional distress, whether it's a migraine or a broken arm or a stomach flu or whatever it is, is more viscerally hard for me than it is for my husband, not because he cares less, but because there's this sort of umbilical cord, that uh, metaphorical umbilical cord still connecting us. So when my kid is... Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's true, but I I think for dads, it just manifests in a different way, which is like, I think a lot of dads have that thing of like, I could have been a contender and like now my kid is going to fill that void and the kid who can't do that can be really hard for the dad. Right. I feel like the usual... um, 
prescription for this is, you know, untangle yourself. And KJ talks about this and a little bit in the book. And I want to ask her in the interview, like just, she says, I'm not saying when there's something serious that you're supposed to ignore it and be happy, but that you need perspective. You need perspective on your kid didn't make the team, his problem. She's not sitting at the right lunch table. It won't matter next week. Like that you need to maintain those perspectives. And I think that that's true. I would like at this moment to cite the article that's about, um, I should look it up real quick because who is it? So here I see, I see it credited to Emily Pearl Kingsley. She talks about, it's called Welcome to Holland, the piece. And it's the idea of having a kid who struggles, has special needs, has different kinds of struggles. And the essay is all about like, you bought a trip to it, you bought a ticket to Italy. That's the metaphor for having a kid. And you're like, we're going to have the best time. We're going to see the Trevi Fountain. We're going to eat gelato. And you get on the plane and the plane lands and you're in Holland. And you're like, wait, 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 this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be in Holland. I'm supposed to be in Italy. And her argument in the piece is basically, you are in Holland now. And if you can't accept landing in Holland at some point, if you only think about Italy your whole life, you're going to miss the wonders of Holland. The Mm. like windmills and the tulips and the beautiful things about Holland and the wooden shoes. (laughs) I think it's a really beautiful metaphor for my kid is not what I expected in some way. If you accept the premise that like, I'm always as happy as my unhappiest kid and my kid has struggles and therefore will never be happy in the way that I understand happiness, you're kind of missing the boat in some way. I feel like the, the, the welcome to Holland thing sort of proves the opposite of the sort of more general advice. Like just, just detach. Those aren't your struggles. <laughs> when, you could have, when you have a kid with special needs, yes, they are. There was another study done. Who did it? Let's see. It was in social, psychological, and personality science, which I know you subscribe to. So oh, it's one of my favorites. Read it every morning. And it's, yes, it's a daily. So you don't have to tell me, but tell our listeners who it's, maybe aren't daily readers of social, psychological, and personality science. It's a science. daily psychological and social science journal. No, and it, oh, but the, the put study, it at the bottom of my list. The study was called "Parents Reap What They Sow: Child Centrism and Parental Well-Being." And I think the people doing the study went in with a little bit of a bias that if you're a child-centric parent, i.e., helicopter parent, i.e., like get a life mom, that that's too much, and your well-being is going to suffer because you're too tied into your kid. But instead, what they found was parents who were child-centered in their parenting enjoyed parenting more than. Uh, parents who didn't. Wait, wait, hold the presses because this is going to rock my world. Child-centric parents were happier? Yes, parents who were focused on their children's happiness, who put their children at the center of their lives, were more happier when parenting their children. They weren't necessarily happier every moment of their lives, but parenting brought them greater joy and they found more happiness in it. I guess I guess I can kind of see that because why parenting makes me unhappy is that I'm constantly like, wait, wh- why do I have children? This seems very annoying. <laughs> but the welcome to Holland in thing is- In a loving is, way. Welcome to Holland thing is embrace your children, right? It isn't, it isn't stop being so over-invested in them. It's, it's, it's sort of the opposite of that, which is what this well, study is saying, I think. I found for me that some of the difficulty in being a parent was trying really hard a lot of the time not to be a parent. And I realized at a certain point that like, I don't want to play dollhouse. I really don't. I don't want to play dollhouse, period, end of sentence. It's not interesting to me. I find it excruciatingly boring. I don't even really want to like throw a football around with my son. I, I don't really want to. I would rather be just reading my book and they could be doing their own thing. That would make me happier. 
But I have definitely found that investing in my kids' momentary happiness buys me more time of my own happiness. So an hour of going out and playing ball with my kids or an hour of playing dollhouse with my daughter, it is kind of enjoyable to see how much she enjoys it. And then she's happier and I'm happier because she's gotten her special time and then she's more willing to be like, okay, and now I'll read a book for a while. Yeah, there's a book called The Second Circle that I've talked about before that's an, an actually an acting book and it's about being in the moment. But she has a chapter about parenting. I think about that book all the time. If I can be really connected, what this Shakespearean acting teacher calls in second circle with my child and give give her my completely devoted attention, put the phone away for 15 minutes, then you have an afternoon of that child playing happily by herself. But if you're sort of also trying to make dinner, also trying to do this, also trying to pay bills, then they're unhappy and then you're unhappy. I would say if you have a takeaway from the first half of this episode, it is this thing. Paying half attention to your kids all day makes everyone in the house unhappy. Yeah. Paying full attention to your kids for whatever block of time you can spare cuts down on a lot of drama and trauma because otherwise they just start wanting attention. They don't care if it's negative attention or positive attention. They're just going to really start annoying you. So I guess, yeah, happy kids, happy, happy mom. And uh... happiness for me involves everybody having a somewhat enjoyable time and having a fairly peaceful and content household a lot of the time. That to me is my definition of being a happy parent. A little bit of really good attention to them is great, but chasing making your children happy is not going to work out well. Making every day a festival of lights is not, is not, not the goal. Not, not good. And so in that way, I think that the reverse of like, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child, you're not as happy as your happiest child. The things that make your children happy may not make you happy. It's an elusive goal. Uh, I'm thinking about that. I'm as happy as my happiest child in that moment, in that I just hit a home run. You know, I won the spelling bee. I, you know, made a new friend today. I am as happy as my happiest child for those for those 30 seconds. Yeah, but seven-year-old happiness is not a great kind of happiness. It's an ephemeral happiness. It's the happiness of like, I won a thousand tickets that can be robbed from you by like, I left the cards somewhere. Yeah, and now it's a firefly in a jar. Ruined. It's catching catching a yeah. firefly and it's, and it's really fun fun for, for a minute, but you, there's only so many fireflies you can, you can catch, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's even worse than catching a firefly in a jar because you're not outside on a beautiful summer evening. You're in Dave and Buster's. Oh my God. My least favorite place. But KJ's book has a lot of, I think, really specific ideas for, for everyday ways to move away from stress and towards joy, as she puts it. And so I think... This is a good time to talk to KJ and, and get some ideas on how to be happier in our everyday lives, not on the Dave and Buster days. All right, KJ, come save us. We will be right back with KJ Delantonio to learn about how to be a happier parent. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. 
For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Your guide to mom yelling from the What Fresh Hell podcast. The gritted teeth, I'm not yelling, yell. We will talk about it when we get home and away from all these other people who are looking at us in the grocery store. The yells your mom used to yell and you never thought you'd yell, yell. Because I said so, that's why. The I'm not yelling, just speaking very loud for emphasis, yell. These clothes are clean. Clean clothes do not belong in the laundry. Clothes that have been worn for less than five minutes are clean. Clean! The I'm just going to keep yelling names until I get to yours, yell. Emma, Sophia, Catherine, oh, you, youngest daughter, Sydney. That's right, you're in trouble. The company's here, so I can't yell, but you know this would be a yell if it could be a yell, yell. Gosh, honey, I'm surprised you don't remember that I prefer that you don't put your shoes on the sofa. The I've lost my train of thought yell. I need everyone to get off their iPads. Dinner is in five minutes. Don't come down until you finish your homework. And is lacrosse practice tonight or Thursday? Where's my phone? The repeating yell. Get your shoes, get your shoes, we're late, get your shoes, you need shoes, we're very late, shoes, come on, we're late, get your shoes, 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 get your shoes. The I'm not going to curse in front of my children yell. Budgie the whale, Godzilla, damn breaking, shazam, shazam it all. The things I never thought I'd yell, yell. Mom's underwear is not a hat. Don't taunt that lizard. You have to wear shoes outside when it's snowing. Yes, every time. Your penis should never be out during church. So did you get your FabFitFun box, Margaret? I did. How fun is that box? It, it's a personal Christmas morning. Right. But without the crying and like I didn't get what I want, it's just actually a relaxing Christmas morning. And without the, I just shopped and got what I wanted and uh, handed it to you so you could wrap it and give it back to me. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And how often, except for when you're telling your husband to do it, do you actually get something that's just for yourself? 
It's pretty fun. Okay, so you guys, FabFitFun is our sponsor this week. It's a seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, wellness, and home products. You get all kinds of stuff in the box. And it retails for $49.99, but it always has a value over $200. The stuff I got was worth way more than $50. So when you become a member, each season, you'll get a box filled with eight to 10 things, like a really wide range of stuff. You can choose what products and add-ons you want or let it be a surprise, which is how I like it because it's like, oh, what's in the box? The point is, it's all for you. You, mom. You. What Fresh Hell listeners can use the code MOTHERHOOD for $10 off your first box at fabfitfun.com. That's fabfitfun.com and use the code MOTHERHOOD for $10 off your first box. So our guest today is KJ Delantonia, author of the new book, How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute. KJ Delantonia is a writer and contributor to the New York Times, where she wrote and edited the Motherlode blog from 2011 to 2016. And she's also the host of the popular podcast, Hashtag Am Writing, with fellow parenting author Jess Leahy. KJ lives in New Hampshire with her husband and four kids. KJ, thanks for talking with us about your new book. Thank you so much for having me. KJ, I feel like you got the most profesh intro we've ever done on this show. So that's, you can put that feather in your cap. Cool. (laughs) That was like so Amy Wilson actress voice. She just brought you to life for us. Wow. Okay, before we we do anything else, I have to tell you about this dream I had last night. I don't remember what horrible thing I had done, but I was, you know, in court and facing the judge and about to be sentenced. And do you know what they sentenced me to? A week of babysitting Margaret's children. Oh like they said, it's a week of babysitting for this person and your, your, their name's going to pop up in your phone. And then it was you. It was as if like Margaret had already served this sentence for someone else. And now it was like her turn for like. We always like to cast like th- this is a, a wacky rom-com starring Melissa McCarthy, who's going yeah. to discover parenting, you know, somebody else's kids that really majors in the heart. Major there we go. Idea, KJ. Major screenplay idea. <laughs> And then I'm a city slicker that has to go up to KJ's kids with with the chickens because you have you do have chickens. Is that I have chickens and mini ponies and regular full sized ponies and horses. And um, yeah, I think that's it in terms of the farm animals. And how many kids? Four. How old are they? They are 17, 14, 12 and 12. So this book is out today. This is this is book birth week. Book birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday to happier parent. I'm just really excited to have this out in the world. As I say in the book, it's anything but a memoir. It's really heavily research-based. It's sort of both academic research and also just talking to a lot of parents who have one. Most parents have one thing down. Very few of us have it all down. And if you're that parent, I probably didn't talk to you because I couldn't. Um, You know, everybody has something down. So I got a lot of really practical ideas from people who sort of felt good about one thing or another. It's helped me, and I hope it helps others. Other people. That was going to be uh, my last question for you, but I'll make it my first question. You say in the book that you didn't expect these changes that you were making, which are very small and actionable, I should say. This book isn't like, here's how to grow your meditation practice over the next five <laughs> years, right? It's like, here's no. how to make tomorrow better than today. Pretty much. And, and you said you weren't, you weren't expecting these changes to, to have as much power as they did. I wasn't. And it, it almost wasn't until um, somebody did ask me the question that I really sat down and went, you know, wow, I am happier. 
and, and it's it's pretty cool. And you know, and some of it, I I I want to put some of it down to when your kids are older, the stresses are different. So you know, my kids are my kids are a little different. But overall, I think especially just the different way that I learned to think about a lot of things has really really helped me. So KJ, we've quoted you so many times because you've written uh, for years or you wrote for years for the Motherload blog at the New York Times and advice on all sorts of different subjects. So what made you want to concentrate on happiness? I feel like it's, we talk a lot about like picky eater or curfews or very very specific issues, but happiness is kind of an overarching issue, which is kind of at the heart of a lot of the stuff we talk about. What made you want to focus on that? So it was really sort of, it was a, it was a a two-pronged prod, I guess. Um, First of all, you know, editing and writing Motherload was a full-time job. So I've got a full-time job. My husband has a full-time job. We've got four kids in various stages of school. And every day we're just, you know, getting up, strapping our skates on, and it's just go, 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 go until the, the end of the day. And, you know, it's all scheduling and all yelling at people and all people hating transitions. You know, things are feeling very tight. And at the same time, I just noticed that all of the the parents that I'm interviewing and the essays that I'm reading and sort of everything, all the inputs from my job are all people just sort of, you know, struggling to feel, struggling to enjoy this. I just got to thinking, you know, I mean, I really, I wanted these kids, right? We, we, we set out to you have did? them. They weren't, they weren't, were- they weren't deposited in our life by accident. And most of the people, I know a lot of people who are writing for me, they really, you know, maybe they work through infertility or, or adoptive parents. We, we wanted this life that we have for ourselves. And really, um, it's a pretty good life. Most of us, roof over our heads, plenty of food, not hauling water from the well. Um, you know, we're not like driving the pony cart to the general store once a month for flour. Why does it feel so difficult? And what could we do to make it stop? So that's, that's really where I started from. Those are um, some really good questions. Why yeah, does it feel and- so difficult? I'm going to, I'm going to get a t-shirt motherhood. Yeah. Why does it feel so difficult? And what can we do to make it stop? There we go. The first, so the first iteration was, let's have more fun. And then I sort of start making a list of fun things. And I'm looking at this list of fun things. I'm like, I don't want to do fun things. No, fun things are terrible. In fact, we have a saying on the podcast that we (laughs) say often, beware the phrase, this should be fun. That was going to be the title. Really? Yes. Oh my God, we would have had a copyright loss. That would have been a whole problem. Yes. And I do sort of still feel that way. But the really big point was just, I didn't want to do more. I do enough. I just wanted to like the things that we were already doing better. So That's that funny, is yeah. where the book came from. The forced march, happiness, von Trapp children and, and matching clothes made from curtains. It doesn't really work that way. I, I didn't think that was going to pan out so well for us. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the idea in the book of like moving away from stress and towards joy, which I think is really resonant for so many people. I was chatting with a friend yesterday whose kids are pretty accomplished athletes. And she was saying like, we just have to have a family meeting because our whole life is just, we want these kids to pursue these things, but we don't want our whole life to just be screaming, get in the car. Right. And that is exactly, I mean, that's really part of where I was too. All four of my kids play hockey. You know, we were really in the throes of that when we started this. And so that that's one of the great places where, for me, we hit a mindset shift. I mean, there's sort of the question of sometimes you're just doing too much. Like, really, sometimes some things, 
it'd be better to let some things go, to sit back and go, okay, you know, soccer is great. And in theory, it's 45 minutes, three times a week because my kid is five. But realistically, once you do all the screaming of the get in the car and the finding of the missing shin guards and the cleat that's underneath the sofa, you know, it's an hour and a half, three times a week. That's a lot more than 45 minutes. And, you know, that's maybe that's too much. So there's sort of that piece of it. But then there's the stuff you actually, like your friend said, you want your kids to do. So I, I want them to do it And I want to be with them. A lot of it was just sort of looking at that picture and going, you know, really, given that I have this kid and he plays on this team or these kids and she plays on this team or whatever, um, and I want to be there, let's just feel better about it. So try not to have the yelling about getting in the car business and try to make every, when we go out and we do a a trip for a hockey thing, I always try to, you know, I like bookstores. We always, we got to go to a bookstore. I like taco stands. We go to a taco stand. You know, I do things to make it great for me too. And also just to look at it as like something I want to do instead of something I have to do. So for you, is the key to becoming a happier parent a mind shift change or is it more a change of practical action? I would put it at 50-50. So if we look at the hockey thing, that's a, a pretty good example. So the practical action is how long does it really take to get to wherever you're going on time so that you can avoid, including the part where you have to, you know, sort of, I tell them, you know, this is the time we need to leave for you to have, for you to get there at at such and such a time. And to sort of leave a big enough block to get yourself there, which in the case of hockey is an immense block because there's a lot of crud to put on and stuff like that. I have a hockey player. Let me just give you this advice. This is my advice. It's not in the book about how to be a happier parent. Avoid hockey at all costs. (laughs) It's it's it, it makes soccer. I mean, soccer is two shoes and two shin guards and the yeah. shorts and a shirt. Hockey yeah. is like nine hundred and fifty things in a giant bag, and they all smell. Yeah. At five thirty in the morning. At, yeah, and it's five thirty in the morning. Yeah. I'm ruining the day I ever introduced <laughs> hockey into the equation. I have come to love it and actually enjoy watching it and appreciate the game, which I would never, ever, ever have guessed would be true. But anyway, like, like we're, you know, we agree. Okay, with hockey, you really need an enormous block of time to sort of get there comfortably and not feel like you're sort of slowing the car down and shoving the cat kid out and shrieking, I told you we'd be late. So allowing for enough time, that's a big piece of it. Neither my husband nor I has any sense that we need to attend all the games. We couldn't attend all the games, even if we wanted to. Sometimes they're at the same time. Sometimes there are three games. You know, sometimes we go. Lots of times we go. We like to watch them, but sometimes we don't. God knows we would never watch a practice. That would be insane. So to to sort of make a plan just to accommodate, okay, well, we're going to be in this place for this practice. What am I going to do that I would enjoy? So that's, you know, a practical piece of it. And then really um, looking as a family at limiting other stuff during hockey season so that we don't get into these painful situations. And when when kids want to do add something or, or, or want, you know, to sort of sit down with them at the very beginning and be like, well, you know, if you add this, you're going to have to carpool, somebody else is going to have to drive you, it's going to complicate things. And remember, you like to be at home some of the time. And if you fill this one single empty afternoon with this other activity, you then have to see that as your fun leisure at home time. Because otherwise, you know, you're not going to have any. 
And that's just, that's a really important thing to think about. And, you know, we, I think we say no to sort of the cartooning class or the spin your own pottery class with some reluctance because those things do sound fun. I would like to draw cartoons while spinning my own pottery, right? I would like to draw cartoons on the pottery while it spins around the <laughs> wheel. That, I would love that, right? But saying no to that is saying yes to an afternoon where you don't yell and get in the car. You know, I come at this idea of how to be a happier parent, and you kind of expect that you're going to be told, like, it's all about perspective. It's addressing the problems. Like, if mornings, one of the concrete things you said is if, if mornings are hard, then get more sleep, mom. You know, yeah. go, to, go to sleep <laughs> half an hour sooner. You're going to be less cranky in the morning. And that's, it's putting the onus on you to do something about it, but it isn't, you know, stop being so mad about it and start being happy, That which I find not such useful advice. But this is this book is really full of specific, there are things you can do to address these things that are making you unhappy and chip away at them. Don't just well, accept they them. All, they all sort of wrap up together. So like take the sleep one. And that, that's been a huge change in my life where I've just really, I love sleep. I've always loved it, but now I really, it's like. We can um, have a separate podcast episode where you and I just talk about how great sleep yeah, is. Because it's my favorite oh, thing. I just world. love it. So here's the thing. Most of us don't get enough sleep. The part you can control is when you go to bed, but nobody wants to go to bed because it's only at the end of the day that you hit that time where you feel like nobody else is telling you what to do. And that is true for kids and teenagers too. You know, if you don't hit that time till nine, then you don't go to bed until 11 and you have to get up at five. That's not going to be enough sleep. So sort of looking carefully at the level of activities and also at the amount of sort of wind down time that you need like it all sort of plays in together because it's the same for teenagers. If they don't feel like they're off the clock of homework and play practice and Suzuki music or whatever until eight o'clock at night, then it's really hard to get them to go to bed because they want their own time, right? It all, it's all sort of, it's all integrated. If there was one thing that you could point to in the book that was really like an aha moment for you where you thought, now this is an approach that I haven't thought of before, what would that oh. be? That's a hard one. It was the moment when somebody explained to me that with chores, if you if you want your kids to do chores, and I think your kids should do chores, that's like the only thing in the whole book where I'm like, yeah, this is the way I think is right. There's two pieces of that. You want them to do the chore, and you'd like them to do it without being reminded. When somebody sort of explained to me that those were really two different things and that it was okay to sort of be constantly, like you're not failing if you have to remind them every time, as long as they're still doing it. Hmm. That was, I don't know, for some reason that was like rainbows and light bulbs for me because I really was sort of losing a lot of sleep over, oh, my kids are so inconsiderate. They don't even like think to do these things and it's their job to do them and they're never going to remember. And the minute I just went, okay, Really, my primary goal right now is that they do them. I mean, we're not going to fix, we're not going to fix everything. You're not right. going to make it all perfect. And not, who want, you don't even want perfect. I mean, if you were raising your kids in this perfect world in which, you know, they never so much as lost a balloon, that would, you, that would not be good. Their college roommates and their spouses <laughs> would hate you. That's not the goal. The goal is not to like get this done and have a successful adult that you have, you know, can put in a frame or something. The goal is to love the time when we're doing it, because that's a whole lot of time. 
Oh, it's a whole lot of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm, you know, my, one of my kids is 17, so I'm starting to see that... You've, you've chewed your leg out of the bear trap. You're almost yeah, free. <laughs> exactly. And to some extent, you know, that makes me happy, and to some extent it, it makes me a little wistful. He's a, he's a good one, that one. But I, I, I also, you know, if you tell me in the grocery store that, uh, oh, it goes so fast, I might run your toes over with my cart. Yes, that is one of our causes in life, to get people to stop saying that to each other at the grocery store. So KJ, in in your book, you talk about one of your sort of rules of happy parenting is you can be happy when your children aren't. When you say that, you're talking about when your kid doesn't make the basketball team, not when your kid has an eating disorder. That's not something that one can ever be expected to be happy about. But we were talking in this episode about some of the more serious things our kids go through and trying to maintain distance from that. And do you do you think that there is a way for us to separate out our feelings about the kid who's struggling, sort of from the kid who's struggling, so that the struggle doesn't take over? I think we can do that, and I think it's really important that we do that. And the reason that I think it's really important is actually it's because it's better for your child. Because if your poor kid is dealing with something, I mean, let's just go with like not making a team because that's just a a simpler example, even though it could be something more serious or they're dealing with, you know, failing algebra for them to also be dealing with this sense that they have ruined your life. That just makes everything worse. If the burden of your happiness is on your kid, you don't want that. It's tough for them. It also leads to them maybe not telling you when something is wrong or maybe not even trying. Because, you know, oh, if I don't make it, then, um, you know, not only am I going to feel really bad, but my mom, it it would just be crushing for her. And the thing is, our kids actually want us to be happy. Um, I realize that it doesn't always feel that way. If they feel responsible for our emotions, that's a huge burden for them to carry. And we don't want that. Also... They are looking to us to sort of evaluate how important something is. So if while they're on the floor, you know, writhing around in misery because math is just too hard, if you are also going, you know, this is too hard. Oh, my God, I'm going to call your teacher because this is, I mean, I can't believe you're having to do this. Like, they're like getting all ramped up because, oh, this actually really is bad. So our ability to keep a reserved adult perspective is actually really, really important to, you know, their ability sort of to learn to bounce back from things, to gain that perspective themselves, and to deal with things without also feeling like they're having to deal with you. And that doesn't mean you're not going to feel it when things go wrong for them. But there's a lot of reason that you sort of need to maintain your own, your own separate emotions. It's better for everybody. Happier for everyone. Happiness for everyone. <laughs> so KJ, your new book is called How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute. Tell us where we can find the book and where we can find you online. You can find me at kjdelantonia.com. I'm KJ Delantonia on most major things and KJDA on Instagram. And you can find that book Everywhere that books are sold, hopefully towering in giant piles on the new releases table. <laughs> People will just be selling it on the streets. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, they're just going to be handing it out. Yeah, Perfect. That's the idea. And tell us just quickly about your podcast as well. So I, co- I co-host with Jessica Leahy the Hashtag Am Writing podcast. It's a podcast for writers of all kinds, writing all the things, because most of all, what we tend to talk about there is just getting the work done. KJ, it was great talking to you. Thanks so much. It was so great much. talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, KJ. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. We're back and I love KJ's message about you know, when, when it's possible to have perspective, get some, that, that your, your kids' lives are not your own and you can, you can choose happiness even when your kids aren't happy. But I wanted to talk about this a little more because I, I kind of have had sort of very recently a really important, like an aha moment for myself and my parenting on this. Because there are times love when, an aha moment. There are times when your kids aren't happy. And, and like we were saying before, times when your kids aren't happy and it isn't, Wow, there was a birthday party and I didn't get invited. That it's it's right. It isn't Dave and serious. Busters. Right. It isn't Dave and Buster's. There can be there can be times that are more serious. And at those times, it's too simplistic to say, like, don't worry about it. It's not, you know, it's their it's their lives, it's their struggle. Like we said, sometimes you're you're really soaking in your kids' struggle with them. And even then you have to learn to to sort of detach. So here's what here's what happened to me. So my daughter gets migraines a lot and they're chronic and they can get very serious and um, she can be hospitalized for them sometimes and she missed a lot of school last fall and it was a very serious it's not she's not in danger but she's in a lot of pain and I'm with her a lot and it's really hard and I think it is harder on me than it is on my husband not because he doesn't love her but because she like came out of my body and I experience her pain viscerally. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. You know, so I'd have to nurse her back to health. She'd be out of school for a week and I'd be, you know, home with her and, and, you know, so stressed. And then she gets back to school and she's healthy again. And I'm, woohoo, I'm so happy. And then 
she'd come home from school and her face would be gray and she'd say, mom, I don't feel well. And I just would immediately get despondent again. Like, here we go. Here we go. It's going to be another two weeks out of school. And sometimes it would be, and sometimes it wouldn't, but I was completely on the roller coaster with her. If she had a good day, I had a good day. If she had a sick day, I had a bad day. I finally realized that that was certainly not helping me parent her siblings at all, but it also really wasn't helping me parent her effectively. If I was so attached to her happiness level in the day, if it was my own, then I couldn't steward her through the the crisis in the right way. Does that make sense? It does. And so I had to figure out, and I'm still figuring this out, but I had to figure out how to have my, my level of happiness not be directly attached to how my daughter was feeling. That's, that's been hard for me to figure out, but, but realizing that I would be a better parent to her and her siblings if I could figure it out has really helped me. I hear you, and I agree. I have a kid who has some unspecified struggles, and I do want to speak up a little bit in defense of that husband role because one of the things that has been really helpful to me in the times where I have, like, I like that metaphor, like, I've been on the roller coaster with him, like, living and dying by how every day looked for him. It was actually wonderful to me to have my husband be not on the roller coaster. He was able to kind of stay on the ground and be like, see, my perspective is this was a bad day, but we've had a lot of good days. And so I think it's going to be okay overall. Listen, he's having a hard time right now, but I see all these strengths and Let's think of these four times where this wasn't an issue. So the fact that it was an issue today maybe doesn't mean that all is lost. And so that was a real helper for our familial happiness. And I also think it's true that that thing that you talk about of like, if you have a kid who's struggling, I'm talking about a real struggle, not like, not Dave and Buster's, like a struggle that is pretty deep and may affect their happiness overall in their lifetime. It is true that like I have three kids and if I opt to get on the roller coaster with my struggling guy and stay there, I am neglecting my other kids and their needs. And that is not okay. Yeah. And it's tempting. And my kid struggles, your kid struggles. Neither one of us has a kid who struggles where it's like this kid is you know, got a horrible disease in children's hospital. It's life and death. Like those situations are a whole different level of complicated, but we're talking about a kid who has pretty difficult struggles. Your choice to throw everything over and stay on that roller coaster with them is fundamentally an incorrect choice. I think even, even in those cases, I have a, I have a friend whose daughter is a three time cancer survivor and they have been I mean, talk about a roller coaster, right? This kid is really strong. There are times when this mom has basically lived at the hospital with her child for extended periods of time. And she's, and the good news is this, this child is healthy and strong now. <laughs> it hasn't always been so great. But even when they were living at the hospital, my friend, she would go on 40-mile bike rides. Like she'd, you know, punch out on a Saturday morning and she'd leave the hospital for hours hours. One time she even went on a biking trip by herself while her kid was still pretty sick. And it was her way of sort of getting enough oxygen for the climb. It gave her the strength to move forward. And she deserved, she deserved that thing that brought her great joy, even in this stressful time. And watching her do that made me realize that, yeah, that that's actually necessary. That's what gave her enough strength to 
stay positive for this kid through all the struggles. And so I think it's, uh, it's good for you, but it's also good for your kid if you need a reason to feel less guilty about it. Be happy because it's better for that kid who's struggling too. And the reality is that when you lean into a difficult issue and you stay there with your kid, first of all, you and your kid get wrapped up in it together in a way that is not always healthy. Also, you kind of indicate to your child, like, this is really bad because it's all I think about. I really like the idea that my kids, I leave them with my sister. I leave them with their grandparents. I leave them with babysitters. We come and go a lot just because of the nature of our lifestyle. And I like that my kids feel like I'm very comfortable with mom and dad. But look, I'm also comfortable with kind of random neighbor who comes over to babysit. I'm also very comfortable with Aunt Anne and Uncle Matt, like when we stay with them for the weekend. I'm also comfortable with Nana and Papa. I'm also comfortable with Grandpa. Like there are many people in my life who can take care of me. And I think when you have a kid who struggles, it's tempting to kind of jettison that and be like, I am the only one who can fix it. Mommy is here and mommy will get you through this. It's actually not that great an attachment and it kind of lowers your personal happiness and it, it lowers what you have to give to your other kids as well. Yeah. It's hard. It's real hard. I'm not saying this as like a throwaway of like, that's what you got to do. I know why it's hard, but I fight against it a lot. And I love that my husband is able to really take the position. I don't even, I think it's just natural to him. I don't think it's something he decided to do of like, Oh, I'm not on the roller coaster. I'm sitting here going, you guys have been on that roller coaster too too long. It's time to get off. Someone's going to barf. Can I give you can I give you an oldie locks alert that I think of often in these situations? Please do, but please hold. Back in my day and go. It's a uh, 38 special song. <laughs> wow, Amy, you're going you're going deep <laughs> in the vault with this one. I thought you were going to be like it's Madonna. No. 38 special. 38 special. Half of the people listening just turned off their podcast. But okay, for the people who remain, Amy has a 38 special reference for you. Find the song. It's called Hold On Loosely, But Don't Let Go. It's all about letting, you know, giving a little more uh, room around things that Nana and Pop can take care of them too. And this is what KJ said in the book. And I loved this. I circled this. And I thought this was the, the thing I was going to take away from her book above all. When we're not putting all our energy into getting our kids to eat and study and do everything exactly the way we want them to, we can put that energy into a much more positive place. I could not agree with this more. I always find, and we, the, we do this podcast, hopefully for people and they take away good advice, but I always find I get so much out of it myself. When we hit upon themes, I'm like, we're onto something. And I have said this about the kid making the travel soccer team. I have said this about picky eaters at the table and trying to get them to eat, hold everything more loosely. When you're over gripping on stuff, you're making yourself crazy. Your kid will eventually eat more foods. It's going to be okay. You should keep working on it, but it's going to be okay. Your kid will survive not making the school play. It will be one chapter in their life and other things will come up and it will not define their existence. And holding stuff loosely is such a gift you can give to yourself and, and your kids. And certainly a key to greater happiness as a parent. This is a hard one, but I, I do think we solved it. I think we, I think we solved it. And, uh, so we're going to give away a copy of KJ's book, How to Be a Happier Parent, to one lucky listener. And here's what we want you to do to enter. We want you to email us, info at whatfreshhellpodcast.com, and tell us something that you're struggling with 
that we might be able to talk about on the show. Um, or just a question you have about parenting. We don't have to use your name if you don't want us to. And there's another thing you can do. You can even record a voice memo on your phone. You know that voice memo app that you have on your phone? You can record a question and email it to us, and we can put you on the show. That'll be fun, guys. No, it'll be awesome. And one of Hit those people with is going to get really the deep dilemmas. Come on, challenge us a little bit. Your toughest cleaning dilemmas. Yes, but don't ask us where is my kid's other shoe because we don't know that. That's your problem. In other news, you can always find us on our Facebook page, What Fresh Hellcast, our Instagram, What Fresh Hellcast. And as always, check us out at whatfreshhellpodcast.com for more information about the show. Thanks for listening. And special thanks to KJ Delantonia. Make sure to find her book, guys, How to Be a Happier Parent. You know how to buy books. It's wherever books are sold. Go check it out. And with that, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep. Oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.